Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. you're looking that up justin what was the series of school supplies in the 90s is that 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 had like the the pink and like the, the the multicolored like unicorns and shit on it are you talking about uh lisa frank lisa frank that's who when he said zan frank i was like oh so he's like a big unicorn tattoo because i forgot that Anne frank and lisa frank aren't the same person what can i say they both got journals you are, in the most technical sense, correct. It's so fucked up we published that little girl's private diary. It was pretty fucked up. Like, Anyways, that guy looks like a dipshit. Yeah, that's oh, he is. stupid. Uh, they all look like dipshits because they all are dipshits. Nobody is a sound... <laughs> oh, I'm dying. It's, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't come down too hard on SoundCloud rappers, though, because we are essentially in the same class of human being as amateur podcasters. Yeah, oh, you mean scum? You yeah. mean slime? The, the, you, we, are not, we are not the garbage in the gutter. We are not the fucking shit and piss in the sewer. We are the condensating slime that occurs in the pre- presence of all the shit and piss in the sewer. We are the Ghostbusters 2 goo of the internet. It's those who can't do teach and those who can't teach podcast. Or teach gym. Yeah, both. <laughs> um, well, well, I guess we should, we should start being gym teachers, should, like a triple, you know triple threat totally PE teacher. teacher. I thought you guys were about to say, let's start a, let's start a PE-themed podcast. <laughs> no, no, let's just be PE teachers. Yeah, you know, what, it's not too hard. I think I'm going to start a PE slash uh, tradcath podcast. Uh, called Climb the Pope, and I will, <laughs> in this uh, podcast series, I will explain how becoming physically strong and experiencing the shame of puberty and growing up is the same as uh, growing up as the Messiah and dying for mankind's sins. Hey, Colin, the funny thing is is I'm starting to write an episode about a dude that had the same idea as you. And he's the reason why we have had PE in school. Oh, because he's a pedophile. Uh, no. It's not uh, a pedophile if they wait until after they graduate to get married. Did you know exact- that you exactly. used to call every child was referred to as a girl? Like, girl was just a general use term for a child? In, I didn't uh, know in that. In Old English? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. German's a hell of a fucking language. Yeah, yeah.
especially those transitionary languages. You're, it, 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 like, Old English is one thing. Middle English is fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up because some guys were like, oh, I guess I just get to freestyle now? I just get to, like, <laughs> make all this like, shit, make shit as I go along. Fucking English. Oh, all right, well, it's you know what? This seems like as good a time as any to start the show. Speaking of blue. Speaking of blue. Speaking of Blue Chew, guys, we are currently being sponsored by Blue Chew. What is Blue uh, They're Chew? not pills. They are tablets. You chew them, yep. and it gets hoard. Yeah, it's like Viagra. It's like Viagra chewable Viagra. Chewable. Yeah, you know, you yeah. La- Lana Rhodes, Lana Rhodes, messaged me and said, "Hey, do you guys want to promote this product?" And I said, "Sure." I would love to. I would promote Blue Chew. Honestly, I pr- yeah, I promote pills. Are not pills. the worst thing in the world. They're for not us pills. They are. Chewable I'm sorry, tablets. boner chewable tablets. They are chewable tablets. Uh, and they haven't. Health. They haven't done a genocide yet. So like yet, that we know of. Yeah, I All think right. it would be just be fun to crush up a bunch of blue chew and just mix them into the decaf pot at your local Coney Island. Really spruce up their day. That'll that'll put a spring in their step. All right. Speaking of blue, speaking of blue chew. Welcome back once again to Worst in the Industry, uh, the show where this three-headed Fortunato uh, rails and wails our truths out into your basement as you attempt to wall us up forever. My name is Justin St. Peter, and um, I don't have any wine this time because I drank all of it and I didn't buy more, but I do have a mojito to my left. It's Colin Stanley, and I'm actually the Montresor of the podcast because I'm not the villain, and I was right to commit murder. To my left... Uh, My name's Tyler, and uh, the wine sparkled in his eyes. Was that, just, was that just a line that you took from a cask of Amontillado? Yeah. Fuck. I was trying to think of one. For the love of anyway. God, Montresor! For the love of God, Montresor! Screaming? Screaming that kind of shit? As you're just, like, knowing you're about to, like, starve to death in a wall? Such a baller. I, it, I, I mean, want... okay, so... For the love of God, Montresor is great. But can we talk about how raw... Indeed. For the love of God. Like, how raw of a response that is. Like, just slathering fucking mortar on bricks. Be like, yes. Yes, this is what he wants. Yeah, For the love of God, Fortunato. Fortunato. A cask of Amontillado is truly Immortal Technique's masterpiece. And I do (laughs) Do you guys remember when Montresor was like, this is it, kid. Now you got your chance to be raw. I'm going to put you up inside of the war. Because he was there with... Fortunato and he raped his mom too. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So Tyler, what's this episode about that we're doing uh, once again? Sorry. So, dear listeners, um, I'm gonna need you all. Okay. Um, it's a okay. So, this episode is gonna hopefully be timed out perfectly. So if you eat an edible right now. Like, as I'm speaking, like, pause the podcast, go get an edible, go eat it. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care if you're driving. I'm not promoting. uh, (laughs) I don't care if you're driving. I'm not promoting that you do it. I'm not telling you. I'm not directly telling you to do it. All I'm saying is it might be cool. Um, It it would be pretty cool if you did. He's just Um, saying it'd be a lot cooler if you did. I am going to suggest edible because right when this episode is going to get good, 
like it's going to get into some shit is when your edible is going to start kicking in. And then you're going to want to put on your Hendrix playlist. Yep. Yep. And it, you know what? If you're at work, take your shirt off. Yeah, work. We did end. <laughs> take your shoes off. Take uh-huh. your shirt off. Get real comfy. We did, Unlike, we did all strip. So we did, we did, obviously, like we already said, like this is the second time we're recording this one. Because this is what happens when you let goons vote. Uh, but it's okay, Colin. You're a scrupled goon. <laughs> Does not help. But I have principles and I'm also bumbling through life. Uh, but last time we ended the episode shirtless. And this time I feel like we all unconsciously wore at least two layers to... <laughs> to de-incentivize the stripping. It's cold in my office. It's, yeah, it's cold it's, here too. You know what? It started snowing today in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, oh, I'll tell you shit. what. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. No, it wouldn't be so cold if it wasn't for the wind. Oh, you know, if it weren't it's for not, this wind, it wouldn't be so bad. You know, it's, it's like it's, it's the like how it wouldn't, it's the wind chill. It wouldn't be so hot if it wasn't for the humidity. It's the you know? wind chill. They get. It's the lakefront effect. You know what? You yeah, ever heard the... about the lakefront effect? Yeah. So. I'll... Michigan has, uh, we always have an excuse for something to blame other than the fucking weather. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan probably has the best weather of any state in the Union, and uh, I'm prepared to die on that hill. We got hot summers, we got hot winters, we got humid falls and springs, everything sucks, and we're all going to die soon. So I, I, had a, I had a wonderful night last night with my partner um and we 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 did we drank some wine we did some face masks we watched a horror movie uh the hills run red it was terrible but um <laughs> that's the official lo- review the, the it, it, it was bad it was terrible terrible ending but lots of blood and gore so it was kind of fun oh, um, so we we had a real chill relaxed night and it was great i'm all fresh face now i did an eye mask get the bags out from under my eyes so i don't look like a fucking raccoon all the time you do look exactly the same as you did when we were 17 yes exactly so got a dewy fresh face (laughs) and the whole time we were doing this i was like man tomorrow's gonna be interesting so we're gonna talk about a little man a little guy little fella just oh also i want to add in i want to add in uh I talked. I was talking to Ben on the phone. Um, he was out for the game today. Oh, Mister, sorry. Not even the podcast is up to speed, Tyler. This is Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. Yes, Ben quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, the, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they played the Lions today. Uh, um, and he he was out, and he's out. Uh, he was out for the game because of COVID protocol. Um, I don't yeah, know they if said, he has COVID or not. They said, "Hey, but, Ben, if you're going to be raping all these women, you can't play in the game." pretty crazy how you know just a couple weeks ago he killed colin powell with covid but i don't know how he got it again but somehow he did um so we're gonna talk about a little guy a little friend of the pod oh another friend of the uh, ever-growing list of friends of the pod that we absolutely want ever associated with in in the in the in the hall of friendship uh which is you know the the place where we maintain portraits and placards for all those who have earned our friendship, uh, this man is in uh, the actual good boy section of the Hall of Friendship. He's he is. He does s- not start out that way. He, he, he does not. But he, he comes around. He, he comes around. And we're all about <laughs> growth here on the podcast. Yep. So I'm gonna talk about a little guy, a little friend, little named fella. Smedley Butler. 
Smedley. 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 That's a Simpsons Smedley. character name, by the way. Smedley. Smedley yeah, Butler. Smedley Butler. Yeah, it is a Simpsons character. So. <laughs> I can smell that from here. It smells like fucking pork sausage. <laughs> it, it, no. I was just eating salami, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of cheese was that? Was that like a party? Uh, it was Yauda. Ooh. Oh, Yauda. 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 It, was, it was very I nice. It was pronounced Gouda, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yourself, all of you. Anyway, oh so, <laughs> um, so he was Smedley Butler. Smedley born to Butler. a Quaker. Smedley Butler, born to a Quaker family. Good old Quakers. I uh, love them Jul- oats. Yep, July 30th. July 30th, 1891, Westchester, Virginia. Sorry. He was born July 30th, 1891, in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Ah. His father was a lawyer, a judge, and then went on to serve in the House of Representatives for 31 years. It's a pretty long time. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty long mm. career in Congress, yeah. That's a good amount of time. Um, and he was going, and he uh, went on to be the chairman of the House Naval Affairs Committee during the Harding and Coolidge administrations, which is hmm, a whole thing. A lot of naval action during the Harding and Coolidge administrations. Yeah, back when they like just figured out how to make boats big. Uh, Naval action is what I call it when I come in my own belly button. (laughs) So, God. Uh, (laughs) Smedley attended the Haverford Secondary School in Philadelphia, uh, which was a a pretty prestigious, like, high school kind of thing. Uh, Like, secondary school, because I did, like, primary, secondary school at that time. Back when it was still Um, a big deal to go to high school. Yeah, um, so he went to this place called Haverford, which was pretty prestigious. It was, like, you know congressmen's kids and yeah know, a lot of there of was shit. there was a mini skull and bones where they you know yeah yeah they were all jerking off into geronimo's skull where they jerk off into um, a miniature geronimo's skull. yeah it's it's a miniature you know it's a good it was, it was geronimo's child yeah it's the playmobile um, geronimo's skull kit <laughs> so um uh he would go on to almost graduate but leave school 38 days before his 17th birthday to enlist in the marine corps despite it fight in the spanish-american war he lied about his age and was given direct commission to be a marine second lieutenant and he got sent to guantanamo bay cuba and he didn't really do much there um america at the time had just captured guantanamo bay and like we're like hey this is ours now and cubans were like oh okay i don't like, like that but batista's like no batista's not in charge yet but they're like, eh, it's, eh, it's probably fine. But they were like, hey, we don't have a modern military, and they do. Um, so they had all so that they... mob money coming in, so. Yep, so um, from there he was assigned to the USS New York, and then he came home for a little bit in 1899 and accepted a position as a Marine First Lieutenant after doing nothing. So from here, he got sent to Manila in the Philippines, which uh, if anyone knows... If anyone knows about World War II, uh, that got real fucked in World War II. Oh yeah, no, uh, the Philippines oh, yeah. were some of, like a, a place of like very Manila very heavy specifically. In the Pacific theater. Manila specifically was one of their fucking jumping off points oh, yeah. that I, they needed to take by force. I love Medal of Honor, Rising Sun. Quite a quite a bit of screen time for the Philippines in that. I remember shooting a Japanese man in a tank with an M1 Garand. Mm-hmm. That totally happened. So I did that. Yeah. When when he was in uh, when he was in the Philippines, he was assigned to garrison duty, which garrison duty is incredibly boring. 
Um, and he got into a bit of the drinking at that time. Ooh, getting into the old crow. The tradition and of U.S. Grant. Get, once. Get put under shitty assignment, become an alcoholic. One time when he was on duty, uh, he got relieved of command after a, quote, unspecified incident in his bedroom. They caught him jerking off. He probably got drunk and yelled at a CO. That probably, like, I don't think he would have been relieved of command for jerking off. Um, I think, no, it's, it, like, it, okay, if they came in and he stopped, maybe, but, like, you know. He might have, he might have continued. He, if, like, listen, man, if I'm, if I'm, like, even if I'm your subordinate and I walk into your, like, if you, I knock on the door and you go, come in, and then I come in, and then you're coming, I'm going to ask it for happens. a court-martial. Hey, sometimes you don't, you don't know if they're coming or going, so. <laughs> I don't, but it, I feel like you do though. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of telltale signs. Um. So in that same year in October, uh, Smedley Butler saw his first combat, commanding a squadron of 300 men to take the town of Novaleta in the Filipino uh, from the Filipino troops there. Almost immediately, his first sergeant was wounded, but he kept his composure and kept pushing which is what I usually tell Common to do when we play Siege, and then he gets domed very quickly. Also what I tell Tyler to do when we're having rough, gay, anal sex. Ah, uh, it happens. So, uh, they eventually took the town with only 61 casualties. One dead, 10 wounded, and 50 incapacitated from the heat. Can you imagine that? A bunch of Marines getting on, on, like, on site for an operation. 300 of them, to be precise. And one-sixth of them just go, it's too hot. Yeah. It's, you, like, it's, it's, in it's incredibly hot in, in, like, Southeast Asia and in, like, the Philippines. Like, oh, and, and it's and humid, it's, too. Oh, it's humid as fuck. And, and you know, it's not exactly the heat. It, the uniforms were, yes, like... They were wearing wool, wool uniforms at this point. in cotton, and it's just not good for the weather. Yeah, um, and half of these guys are dickheads from, like, middle of fucking nowhere, Iowa who, like, the harshest summer they've ever seen is a cool 65. Like, it's not, yep. It's not like, these guys are, like, battle-hardened veterans. Most of these guys are just, like, dickheads who got shipped out because it was better pay than working at the oat mill. And also, at that time, a lot of, uh, a lot of people got the opportunity to either go to jail or... Join the military. Go to Join murder the jail. Yeah. So... From here, he went back on garrison duty and befriended a man named Littleton Waller. When Waller took command of a company in Guam, he was allowed to bring five officers with him, and he picked Smedley to be one of them. What's How nice! These fucking Chronicles of Narnia names. Yep. Right, bef right before they Waller left. Littleton Waller and Smedley Butler traveled to meet the Great Lion. <laughs> so, uh, right before they left uh their plans got changed and they were sent to china to put down the boxer rebellion which <laughs> the boxer rebellion uh if you want to read about a lot of people dying and get real sad read about it i'm not really going to talk about it because there is way too much there for me to fucking oh, explain God, yeah. i'm no if we I'm, were a different podcast that would be a whole series but... i'm actually i'm working my way through like a bunch of like world historical shit cuz i'm trying to like you know, be smart and informed for the for the podcast. Yeah, do a uh, learn. And I there was uh, there's a there's a period of Chinese history where there were on average one point eight peasant revolts per hour. Yep. <laughs> yep. So 
Uh, from here, he did much, much more colonial bullshit and received a promotion to captain because at this time, officers couldn't receive medals of honor. Like, it was Good. some... I don't... It's because they were probably commissioned and not enlisted. Exactly. Um, and the reason why... Boys. The reason why he got that promotion was because he dragged one of his soldiers to safety while under heavy fire. Um, from here, he went to go help in another war that definitely doesn't have any colonial interest whatsoever. Yep. Uh, he got sent to Puerto Rico and then to Honduras to put down uprisings to help the United Fruit Company in what would now be known as the Banana Wars. Yeah, there's no colonialism in that whatsoever. None, none whatsoever. Um, not a... Uh, the uh, company using our military as a fucking Blackwater-esque company. Yeah, a mercenary to, yeah, yeah, uh, company. Yeah, that's that's essentially what they yeah. used for. And yeah. you, you mentioned the United Fruit Company, but a lot of it, too, wasn't it a lot of it also, like, finance, like, speculation and investors, like Brown uh, Brown Brothers, I think? Yeah, uh, well... Well, the entire reason why they wanted to do it was because the stock price of united fruit company like it was like could it could not go down like it, it could never go down because the richest people in the country have a lot of money in it so if you guys need to go shoot a bunch of brown people to make that happen go do it that's like oil yep um so he and several hundred marines went to the town of puerto cortes where he described it as quote we were prepared to land and shoot everybody and everything that was breaking the peace um, what they found was a town not in flames and actually peaceful. So they kept going up the coast until they found something. Um, they eventually got to the town of Trujillo to gunfire from a rebel group called the Boneistas and the soldiers of the Honduran army. Apparently, as soon as both sides saw the American company land, uh, the fighting just stopped. We're, we're done. Yeah, we're done. We don't done. want to keep going. We're dying. I think it's so interesting that you're like they landed and there was nowhere to fight so they kept going up the coast and i was thinking about that the last time you had told us and it just seems so much like that's just how a lot of military interactions happened back then pretty much where they're like eh, like there's really no moral reason to be fighting here uh which means you do not have clear objectives we really just want you to scare a bunch of people into not fighting back so mm -hmm. go and cause mayhem and then when those guys aren't, like, you know, bloodthirsty maniacs or, like, given direct orders to cause mayhem, they're like, ah, it's just like, I guess we'll see if they need help. Yep. Uh, so, he led his soldiers to the American consulate, which was in Truillo, and he rescued the consul, who was, quote, wrapped in an American flag hiding among the floorboard beams. Should have left him there. Um, so they... Weenie. Yeah, they evac'd this dude... And uh, then the Boniistas took control of the government. Good for them. Uh, from here, he received his name, nickname, Old Gimlet Eye. His first name. Due to his blood, bloodshot eyes from suffering from a tropical fever, and that only made his penetrating stare more visible. And listeners, do me a favor right now, just Google Smedley Butler. This motherfucker is like gaunt. And he just has a penetrating stare. And imagine this dude with, like, zero sleep and, like, red bloodshot eyes just oh, staring at you. 
Yeah, this yeah. is this is back. Well, in the he day. is haunted. Colonial wars do that to you. If this is like back in the day where like if you were a man and you lived past forty, you either became like like a fucking chiseled marble statue or like a shriveled skeleton man that was like trying to steal children's dreams in the nighttime. Yep. Uh so from here, uh Woodrow Wilson decided to allow officers to receive the Medal of Honor and he would go on to get two, one in 1914 for a battle of Veracruz, Mexico and one in Haiti. From here, he was sent to another war, another fun one, World War 1. Uh, where he was promoted to Brigadier General and was put in command of a camp at Brest, France. Apparently, this camp... <laughs> actually, actually, uh, you know... Uh, Brest, without an A, Brest, B-R-E-S-T. I've, I've heard, guys, that if if mammaries don't come from the Brest re- region of France, they're just sparkling titties. I will <laughs> see my way out now. Get the fuck. Uh, so... Um, apparently this camp was absolutely disgusting with one of the biggest issues during World War One: Mud. Mud. Rats. Rats, too. Mm, yeah, rats. They love the trench, mud. trench foot is horrifying. Mm, um, there was a reporter sent to this camp, and she said, quote, The ground under the tents was nothing but mud, so he had raided a wharf at Brest of the duck boards to no long, uh, that were no longer needed for the trenches, and he carted the first one up himself a four-mile hill to the camp and thus provided something in the way of protection for the men to sleep on. Uh, duck board is a boardwalk. Yeah, it's, it's like wide like planks. planks. They, they would yep. put them on the ground of the trench to make sure that when you were sleeping, you didn't drown in mud. Yeah. Uh, and also so, provides some small layer of insulation, which is a huge deal when sleeping on the ground. Ask yeah, Napoleon. oh yeah. Because you will freeze to death just by sleeping on the ground. So, uh, the general at the time uh, would go on to make a duckboard shoulder patch for all of the units that were stationed there, and Smedley Butler would receive another nickname, Old Duckboard. Um, here, during World War I, he received a Army Distinguished Service Medal, a Navy Distinguished Service Medal, and a French Order of the Black Star. A French Order of the Black Star, uh, that is a euphemism for butthole. Yep. Well, I was going to make a joke about a David Bowie album, but anyways. Love that album. It's a great album. What a great album. What a wonderful uh, return to his esoteric roots. Nightmarish. I love it. It's <laughs> horrifying. Get really wasted and then listen to Black Star. It feels like you're gonna throw up and like that you're having a fever. But then you turn it off and you're fine. He said one of his biggest influences for that album was to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, that I'm and like dying of cancer. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. So uh, after World War One, he was sent to command a Marine barracks at Guanaco. Uh, and from here, he made it the show place of the Marines. It was, you know, the very public, you know, it's like, it's like Fort Knox. Like, oh. it's, you know. Hey, look at all these gold bars. Tyler. Yeah, and look, look at all these beautiful <laughs> armies, you know. Like, these beautiful fucking, they got nice and uniform. They're look at these doing tight marches. Young men. And, look at them all. Look at all these tight young men. Touching each other. From the halls of Montezuma. So, apparently, uh, well, actually, sorry. Uh, he he set up large-scale reenactments of Civil War battles and long field marches with the Marines, which that at the like time the best position to be in, in the military. at the time to- at the time 
Like, there are still people alive who remember the absolute horrors of the Civil War, because that is one of the most fucking horrifying wars ever. Oh, yeah, like, when they talk about uh, Antietam, because of, like, the way everything sloped, like, mm-hmm. you were, like, walking, like, up to, like, your knee or hip in, like, blood and bodies. Like, it was one you of... You were clamoring over piles of your dead friends yeah. to get shot. Yeah, and it was it was one of the first wars to use, like, like close to modern like semi-automatic weapons weapons. semi-automatics like it was it was when wars got incredibly deadly like and we were still using the the, like the line-based combat meeting in a Mm -hmm. field and you know volleys of musket fire because there were still muskets being used on both sides mainly yeah like mostly oh it, it was in that weird space of time right when like napoleonic tactics of early trench warfare were coming up against like the ideas of like an industrialized military like yeah stuff that you and also and also guerrilla warfare quite a bit of it oh yeah Um, oh yeah here you got 20 guys all right i want you to go burn all those confederates to death in their fucking sleep tonight go have fun um apparently in 1921 he was approached by a farmer and told him that stonewall jackson's arm was buried nearby to which he said i'll take a squadron of marines and dig up that spot to prove you wrong uh, they did find the arm in a wooden box, and he replaced it with a metal box and put a plaque on top of it. Pussy shit. See, it, it, it's really, really funny to me that he's just like, yeah, his arm's fucking right over there. Oh, yeah, his arm's oh. right over there. And he was Bullshit. like... <laughs> Marines prove it wrong. Sir, I, we found an arm. Shit. I am all for, like, this something has historical value. We should record it and keep it safe. Um, if you found the remains of a confederate specifically stonewall jackson and specifically his arm and you did not immediately use it to either create a novelty back scratcher or toilet or jerk off with it you should be executed for treason because those fucking losers lost and everybody needs to know that they're huge fucking losers yeah um so from here i'm not gonna get much into this because it's a it's a whole fucking thing he became the Philadelphia director of public safety. Um, which was the which, head of the cops at the time. Which was the head of the police at the time. Um, I'm going to read a quote, quote from here. He said, I don't believe there's a single bandit notch on a policeman's gun in the city. Go out and get some. Uh, he sent up military-style checkpoints throughout the city, uh, set up bandit chasing squads armed with sawed-off shotguns and armored cars, and he made the Philadelphia police uniform much more like a military uniform. Yeah. Like he he modeled the police uniforms after a military uniform because the way he wanted to portray the police in the city was that um, you all of you citizens are in an insurgent group and we are here to police you and we are here to grind our boots we're here to be an occupying army we're here to be basically yeah it's uh you know which is what a lot of police uh is modeled after today yeah i mean they still use the same shit and it just gets you know and now fucking you got these fucking israeli goons like teaching cops how to like shoot a child to death and then claim that you were being threatened by like a a wad of wet clay he had in his hand but yeah like fucking you know these people these cops right like they're taught that 
this is how you do things. Like, this is just how it works. You are a different class. You are a different separate class of people than these people. Yep. So, um, from here, he would, he would do that for quite a while, and then he would resign, and he got sent to San Diego to do, like, medal ceremonies for Marine Corps officers. And then eventually he got sent back to China to parlay with various leaders and warlords at the time to let the U.S protect them and i say protect them like a italian dude comes into your grocery store and says hey we're gonna protect you you yeah, know and you racket. say and you say no and then they break all your shit it's a fucking racket which we'll get to he would actually go on to be court-martialed for being the and he was the only general <laughs> since the civil war to be placed under arrest for publicly spreading gossip about Mussolini killing a child in a hit-and-run accident. <laughs> that's that's great. I, I meant to look into, after the, the first time we tried to record this episode, I meant to look into that incident, and I never did. And I just, like, it would be not poetic justice, but it would make a lot of sense if, like, Mo- Mussolini had, like, Caitlyn Jenner to fucking kid. I, uh, uh, Mussolini is honestly so brave for uh, their public transition uh from uh italian to roman fascist and it's honestly the bravery the bravery of that but they should be uh leader of the year that's crazy to me caitlin jenner killed a person in her fucking car they're like woman of the year she can't drive like the rest of them woman of the year (laughs) so um that's such a Fucking joke. It really is. So, from here, from here, he ran a unsuccessful Senate campaign uh, and would go on to vote for Norman Thomas of the Socialist Party in 1936, back when we had socialist parties. What a great time. So, now you're probably asking yourself, Tyler, why did you ask me to take an edible? Tyler, what does this have to do with businesses doing terrible things? What does this colonialist military douche that obviously seems terrible have to do with why capitalism is terrible? Why, well, Tyler? Why, let, Tyler? Feed let us, me tell Mama you something. Bird. Let me tell you something, listeners. I'm going to tell you something about the bonus army. Oh, Tyler's, Tyler's getting oh, ready actually, to oh, take he, a he's, layer off. He's got more buttons so that it's more dramatic while yep. he takes it off. I see. Oh. Layers coming off, pop listeners. That, so pop that chest. Why don't you pop that top off? So, so I'm gonna tell you something about the Bonus Army. After World War One, the government was like, "Hey, all of you veterans, all of you people that lived through this horrifying war." Yeah, like the, the a war that was totally without precedent as far as like the horrors of it go and the scale and. Yep, they had machine guns and cavalry units. There, uh, people were World still War using one, lances. A World War One, a war America had zero, count it zero, fucking business uh, getting involved in and directly. Wow, imagine that we have a history. We have a history of doing that. So, they said, "Listen, guys, we can't pay you right now, um, but we'll pay you back, you right? Money. Eventually, eventually, with interest, right? We'll, we'll." This is probably enough for you to retire on, but like you we can't. You just gotta be patient, you gotta okay? We'll get to you when we get to you. All right. Mm-hmm. This was not good enough 
First Medley Butler and other veterans. Um, and Smedley at this point, he was like, he had some money. He wasn't like worried about himself. He was worried about the well-being of the men that he served with. So the Bonus Army set up uh, marches on Washington. And for example, in 1932, they had 43,000 marchers to advocate to get these soldiers paid their righteous, rightful bonus for their service. And in this is instance, two marchers were shot and killed. It's, yep. it's great because, like, you know, we, we, when we talk about, like, the troops, right, the idea of the troops as, like, a group of people that, like, we honor and revere and care about is a fairly modern, it's a very contemporary concept. It's yep. something that's come out in the last few years because basically all through time, every country treats their army like shit. They treat mm -hmm. them like, hey, we're going to force you. You have to. We're going to force to. you uh, and sometimes pay you to murder a bunch of people that you have no problem with because it's, it's we're going to get something out of it. Uh, and basically, Republicans are so smart. They're like, what if we just called them goody good boys instead of actually helping them? Then they could get a discount at the Applebee's yeah. and not march on Washington. You see, there's, uh, there's the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, which all the presidents go to every Veterans Day. And then there's the Tomb of the Known Soldier, which is just dying in the streets of starvation because your government said fuck you. Oh, Tomb of the Known Soldier? You mean every gutter in America? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they, two marchers were shot and killed, and they retreated to the Anacostia neighborhood of D.C., where they set up camp until Congress decided whether or not the bonus would be paid. Uh, Congress jerked around with this for a couple weeks and unsurprisingly did nothing. What? Congress? And, Those clouds yeah. of Congress are at it again. They sure are clouds. <laughs> so, Smedley Butler and his, like, preteen son arrived on July 19th. young boy. Yep. Um, arrived on July 19th, the day before the official conviction of the area by the Hoover administration. Uh, Smedley walked through the camp, made quick friends with all the demonstrators. A lot of them recognized him because he held a pretty high position in the Marine Corps. And they're like, oh, you're like, you are Smedley you're Butler. Guy. Like, you're, he was you're the guy. You the are General Butler. Like, yeah. So he uh, gave a speech that morning that they were going to get evicted and cautioned them to not do anything that would cause public sympathy. He's like, listen, like, we're going to get fucking murdered but we can't like we can't fight back because it'll make it worse for us fucking which is a terrible thing to say yeah. but it was a realist thing to say non-violence man it's, yeah it's a non-violent it is a trip um on july 28th eight days later uh the government officially evicted them from the neighborhood and army cavalry units led by piece of shit douglas MacArthur. Dispersed the demonstrators by shooting at them and using poison gas. Several veterans were killed in this attack. These are, like, literally people. It's like it's like if you got hired at a job and they're like, all right, first order of business, you need to kill the guy whose job you just took because he's mm -hmm. really causing trouble for us right now. It's You said it was armored cavalry, Tyler? Uh, it was uh, it was just regular cavalry. Okay, yeah, it's horses. Yeah, they're in D.C. They, they, they're horses, yeah, they're horses, yeah. This ain't Tiananmen it, Square, okay? It's, I wouldn't be surprised at the time, genuinely. But in any case, yeah. it's, I, I guarantee that those fucking cavalrymen didn't get paid either. No. 
probably not. Well, they're so. probably getting paid because they're in the army. They're just not going to get paid the bonus that they've been promised as part of being, you know, part of the army. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he would go on from here to do lectures and recruit members for the veterans of foreign wars. Uh, he was a yeah. spokesperson, was the spokesperson for the American League Against War and Fascism. He wrote an expose called War is a Racket in 1935 in an issue of Common Sense, a socialist magazine. He said, quote, I spent 33 years and four months in active military service, and during that period, I spent most of my time as a high-class muscle man for big, big business, for Wall Street and the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster of capitalism. I helped make Mexico, and especially Tampico, safe for the American oil interests in 1914. I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the National City Bank boys to collect revenues in. I helped the raping of half a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. I helped purify Nicaragua for the International Banking House of Brown Brothers in 1902 to 1912. I brought light to the Dominican Republic for the American sugar interests in 1916. I helped make Honduras right for the American fruit companies in 1903. In China in 1927, I helped see to it that Standard Oil went on its way unmolested. Looking back on it, I might have given Al Capone a few hints. The best he could do was operate his racket in three districts. I operated in three continents. It's so interesting. Um... You mentioned earlier. You mentioned him going to act to Veracruz, and he references that um, in in that 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 sentence there. Um, the fucking like the Marine like song, the song of, like for the Marines starts with the line uh, from the halls of Moctezuma to the shores of Tripoli, uh, mm-hmm. literally talking about like yeah, we went down to Mexico and we stole Mexico, uh, you know like seized it occupied it and then the whole point of that was to allow oil interest into the company into the country rather mm. uh we didn't talk about it in the oil series because <sighs> it's a lot but you had to cut something like literally it's something the marines like cherish and enshrine as part of like their illustrious history and the whole point is that we let a bunch of oil companies pillage a different country Never been different, everybody. Also tied up with the Bush family, as is Brown Brothers. Oh, don't Harriman. don't do what don't, don't you worry. Brown don't Brothers Harriman, and we're gonna get to it. I know. Colin. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just I'm planting the seeds. I'm I'm so, sowing right now. Later, it's gonna be sick. We're gonna reap. Uh, I'm also gonna quote from his book "War Is a Racket," where he said, "Quote: War is a racket. It always has been. It is poss- possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious." It is one of international in scope. It is the only one where the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. That's great. Now you're now you're asking me, what does it? Why did I eat this edible? Why did I take my shirt off? <laughs> I'm at work. It should be um, hitting by now. Exactly, it's probably hitting by now. You're asking me, what does this have to do with capitalism? Now he's just railing against. Now he's just railing rail. against capitalism. He's a socialist, like. What does this have to do directly with how terrible capitalism is? After uh, people saw Smedley take command and rally so many people together with the Bonus Army, a few select highfalutin businessmen started really paying attention to Mr. Butler. 
When FDR won his first election, he quickly made enemies with the ultra-wealthy echelon of the country. And a few of them decided the only way to protect their interest was to directly take over the government with a fascist military coup. And the reason why this was such a big issue for these people was because FDR ran on and eventually did re repeal the gold standard. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Because the gold standard is bullshit anyway. So, from here, two men, Bill Doyle and Gerald McGuire, uh, got in contact with Smedley Butler and said, Hey, can you do this speech at our conference? And it was a veterans organization called the American Legion. Um, and Smedley wasn't a big fan of the American Legion because he's like, these guys are fishy. Like, they're like, their rallies and stuff aren't really related to like veterans affairs. They're, it's weird. So he was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let me see the speech and I'll let you guys know if I'll do it. And it felt weird to him because the speech was a lot about why the, the repealing the gold standard is bad and not about maybe they should be getting paid right now. So from here, he would meet with uh, Gerald Maguire again because Gerald Maguire became his main contact. Mm. And Gerald Maguire uh, did rich guy things. And he said... The reason why this dude thinks I'm sketchy isn't because of the speech and isn't because of the weird gold standard shit. He thinks it's because he thinks I don't have financiers. Like, I don't have the money to back this I love up. That. I because oh, yeah. rich guy think money money makes world go round. Oh, yeah. yeah, rich guy logic, yeah. step one, throw money at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like... So he was like, he was like, I'll give you $100,000 to do this speech. And bring a couple hundred of your friends. And $100,000 at the time is worth about $2 million in today's money. It's a fuckload of money to make one speech. One speech. And Smedley said he felt weird about this because no honest veterans organization could have access to $100,000 offhand. If they did, they should be spending it on, like, food and housing mm -hmm. and medical care for veterans. Hey guys, yeah, what you, they're you ever had an American Legion fish fry? All right, come on, like, yeah, it's worth so, it. It's worth it. Smedley would go on to look into why a veterans organization wanted him to deliver a speech about the gold standard, when in reality they should be worried about, hey, maybe we should fucking get paid for all this shit. And he found out that Gerald McGuire worked for. Grayson M.P. Murphy is a bond salesman. Now, Grayson M.P. Murphy was a big fucking money guy. He owned a huge bank at the time. Millions and millions and millions of dollars going through it. And that he figured out the gold standard suspension was a big concern with the richest of the rich who didn't want to get paid back on their gold-backed loans with inflation-riddled paper money because they had bought these loans and these bonds at the time with gold-standard money, and they were like, if we get rid of that gold-standard, what if inflation happens and that's not worth shit? 
Yeah, because these that, people... That like, was their big issue with it. They're operating, uh, in so many instances, outside of the country. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, okay, most of my money is tied up in the U.S., if all of a sudden, like, I, like my one-to-one is now uh, fucking one-to-twelve, I'm fucked if I try to go yeah. anywhere else. But the, the thing that these people didn't realize is that the economy works for them. So regardless they're gonna stay rich it doesn't fucking matter but they got real scared about it no no tyler it's not that they're worried about not being rich they're worried about not being richer right 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 they gotta keep up with the the fucking joneses down the street so the rockefellers (laughs) rothschilds so uh smedley butler decided he needed to follow the money up and see who the fuck was financing this whole operation he would follow the money it's all guibono so he met with a man named roger sterling clark who he like he got there and he was like this fucking guy this fucking guy hey he knew he knew him he knew him from being in china during the boxer rebellion uh he recalled him as being a quote millionaire lieutenant Due to his dad owning the fucking Singer Sewing Machine Company. And Clark recently ran into $30 million inheritance. Um, The reason why he called him the millionaire lieutenant is because uh, he was a lieutenant, but all he did was, like, coordinate with the Red Cross, and that's it. So he didn't do anything, and he's like, why the fuck does this guy want to talk to me? Like, so... Clark was brutally honest with him, and he said Smedley needed to encourage support from the veterans to reinstate the gold standard. And he said, quote, I am willing to spend half of the 30 million to save the other half. Animals. These are ghouls. Yep. Like, he, he, this, this is $30 million back then, which I think last episode we found out was like almost half a billion dollars. Yep. Uh, so he's willing he's willing to spend fifteen million dollars at the time, which I can't even calculate how that it's much like, is. It's, it's over astronomical. Million. Yeah. Um so he was saying, I'm willing to spend this to save the other half. And Smedley, being a socialist, was like why don't you just like spend half of that money helping people? Like, if you're willing to get rid of it. You could do so much good, and instead you're choosing just to use it to maintain your own fucking ivory tower. It's yeah. Always, we've been bought and sold, folks. It's always been happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, Clark paid for Gerald Maguire to travel to Europe to study the fascist governments popping up there at the time. And the one he saw that worked the best, which actually didn't work... But he was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, was the national right-wing... So, uh, oh, sorry. It was the right-wing nationalist league in France called the Croix de Feu, which, Croix de Feu, which Croix summoned 150,000 supporters. I don't give a shit. La Croix. As long as they give me my sparkling water, so... I think it's... If you don't... Like... At this time, like, when you look at, like, the different fascist organizations in these countries, it is, like, wild how huge of dorks they all are. Like, yeah. these guys are a bunch of fucking nerds. Fucking Oswald Mosley in fucking the UK 
what a fucking gap tooth slack jawed fucking loser that guy yep. was and the french are this no better in fact arguably worse yep so gerald mcguire saw this and instead of looking at it and being like hey this is the one that didn't work um and not looking at like italy and like the march on rome and shit like that the one that did work um he was like listen the problem is is they didn't have enough bodies there they had 150,000 we need 500,000 veterans to overthrow roosevelt right and Maguire came back and told Smedley, all right, here's the fucking plan. We get 500,000 people, veterans. We're going to go overthrow the Roosevelt administration. But don't worry, Roosevelt will stay the president. General Hugh S. Johnson would be instated as the Secretary of General Affairs, much the same as what a, like, prime minister is to, like, a king or a queen. Like, the... Huge, uh, Hugh S. Johnson would make all the shit work behind the scenes, and then Roosevelt would be like fucking cutting ribbons and shit, it's, and he'd be the he'd be the face of the country. Uh, yeah. There's a reason every time America stomps around the fucking world and establishes a government, there's always a president and a prime minister. You have a head of state, the president, who is a largely symbolic figure there to like shake hands, kiss babies, meet with other world leaders, and you have a prime minister who's head of government who actually like makes things go through like their parliament or congress or whatever they have and actually like focuses on laws that makes sense so we don't have that here um that's i mean it's a good idea like we should be doing that uh just maybe not have it be some fascist psycho whose name is huge ass johnson huge <laughs> ass johnson it's i i kept thinking like yes roosevelt will be the face and johnson yep. will be the big old swinging dick yep so <laughs> they uh gerald Maguire told smedley we already invested three million dollars in the project and we would invest 300 million dollars if needed and let me tell you something listeners at the time this was probably the closest um, the the ultra rich and the ultra poor were to each other in late stage capitalism America, and they had three hundred million dollars to throw at this at the time. Is that is that is, this was the beginning of late stage capitalism. Um, so three hundred million dollars is about it's time is five. It's just under five trillion dollars more than enough money to overthrow a government yep and they told smedley they're like listen 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 we'll pay your kids college pay off your mortgage we'll hook you up like don't worry buddy we're gonna invest five trillion dollars to overthrow the government but like We'll take care of you, you know? We'll make sure your kids are all right. We'll make sure your wife is happy. We'll make sure she's got a new fucking wardrobe every season. Don't worry about it, right? Butler was like, this is fucked up. Rightly. And, yeah, he did not know what to do from here. So he called up a paper 
uh, newspaper. The rag of in Phil In Philadelphia to go interview Gerald McGuire. They did this interview. This is this is official. This is real. Gerald McGuire did not hold anything back. Why would he? He said the Remington Arms Company would supply the military because of their relationship with the DuPonts. And he said on record. Gerald McGuire said this on record. You can find this fucking article. He said, quote, we need a fascist government in this country to save the nation from the communists that want to tear it down and wreck all that we have built in America. The only men that have the patriotism to do it are the soldiers and Smedley Butler is the ideal leader. He could organize a million men overnight. And I know, I know like Tyler is going to talk a little bit further about this in a second, but I know some of this seems like, well, this is like a very interesting episode. Uh, and that's like a very like interesting like historical event, but like there's not a lot of like it doesn't exactly tie into today. Um, the Dupont family uh, had uh, it basically runs fucking Connecticut, and uh, yep. Joe Biden's dipshit loser dead son uh, gave the heir to the Dupont family a sweetheart deal after he raped his four year old daughter. So they're still around, still doing evil shit. So, a few days later, the story would finally hit the news. $3 million bid for the fascist army Baird, one headline read. But not all of the press decided that it was true. The whole story sounds like a gigantic hoax, and it does not merit serious discussion, said the New York Times. New York Times has always been a rag. Uh, it's never not been a piece of shit newspaper and they probably didn't care because they were all their fucking investors and the people that owned them were tied up in the fucking plot. Yeah. I was going to say, they're probably like, I'm pretty sure that the times was, uh, privately owned at the time. Mm -hmm. So whoever owned it was almost certainly involved. Just like how they refused to report on Chevron because Chevron is a huge investor. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. I don't, it's fine. Guys, again, it's not relevant to modern day. So I don't know why you're. I don't know yeah. why you're complaining. So, <laughs> Butler said, like, all right, listen, who's the top dudes here? Like, what's going I've on? I've been trying to get my back walls blown out. Who are the top? Yep. Let me know. And he said, like, don't worry. They're going to form a lobbying group soon. And, you know, we'll know who they are. Very soon after this, a lobbying group popped up called the American Liberty League. Uh, members included J.P. Morgan Jr., Irene Dupont, the CEO of General Motors, Bird's Eye and General Foods CEO, S.B. Colgate, and Grayson M.P. Murphy. I can't believe you remember from earlier. It's fucking big toothpaste. You know what? After after their unsuccessful expansion into Mexico, they needed something. Which, by the way, is true. Colgate is not sold in Mexico. Thank God. Well, we'll get into you want to know it. why? Why? It's, well, no, don't save it. Save it. No, save it. Save it. 
Save it. Is we'll do an episode, episode about it. No, it's it's not it's not a whole episode worth. It's because Cole got I'm sure I could find some genocide. Yourself. I'm sure I could find some genocide what is, here. What does Colgate mean in Spanish? It's Colgate means hang yourself in Spanish. <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's sick. That's metal as fuck. They should have just leaned into it. They had like metal ass like font on the tube. Yeah, like, it's fucking it's it's brutal. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't do for good uh good sales. You like so, having shitty teeth? Cool, got that. <laughs> um, and all of these people together at the time were worth about forty billion dollars, or about seven hundred seventy-eight billion dollars in today's money, which is a little bit underneath the mark of four, almost five trillion dollars. But like, they have enough to overthrow a government. <laughs> it's like we just say numbers nowadays because like they don't matter, and like it's okay. Just watch the QAnon numerology. Oh, oh no. They, they, okay. It's, okay, the QAnon, QAnon is people, bad enough, but the second you bring fucking 148 means yeah. Jesus Christ president. The QAnon numerology shit, half of it doesn't make sense. They will just say, they'll just like put a name and then put a fake num- like, and then these three numbers are attributed to this name and they will not explain why or how and by all like rules of numerology, like even fake bullshit numerology rules they don't follow i watched a video of a dude do numerology off of a plate that he got at a smokehouse and he was like the baked beans mean 47 and the 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 smoked chicken means 96 and he like put all of them together and they didn't add up to the number that he ended up with and he's like that means donald trump president 2024 this is when jfk jr lives and i was like what the fuck, bro? This is what happens when prescription, uh, like painkillers, meet uh, undiagnosed personality disorders. Like this is it's QAnon. It's a it's a fucking it's a whole benzo schizo fucking soup just slurping yep. around people screaming so, crazy shit. So now you guys are now you guys are really asking, what's the big dog here? What's going? Yeah, who's who's the man in what's charge? The, what's what's where's 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 the like. The ones that that we reckon like where's the one the big ones right and i think it's safe to say okay the ones that were sympathetic to fascism that were also big movers and shakers at this time but didn't want to have their names attributed to anything henry ford adolf hitler's best friend best friend of a the most highly Close decorated confidant. american nazi john d rockefeller no, who sent a bunch Christian of money? Devil, John D. Literal Christian devil. John and Alan Dulles. John and Alan Dulles. Uh, the pain and notable panic. ghouls. The pain, like the 1997 Hercules, real life version of Pain and Panic, are the Dulles brothers. Just like if the Three Stooges were two guys and they showed up to rape a woman, that is the Dulles brothers. And our little friend, very who little, deep, who was deep. And the Hamburg America Lines, one of Hitler's bestest friends in America. Personal ambassador. Personal liaison to Adolf fucking Hitler himself. Prescott fucking Bush. Fuck you. Prescott Bush. Fucking absolute blood-drenched ghoul that he is. He, like, George H.W. Bush talks about his father and, like, how stern he was and how, like, he never, like, won his respect or approval. And that, like turn george hw bush 
into like the fucking crypt keeper puppeteer that he would become through the rest of his life uh and when he would inevitably raise his like half-formed mutant offspring uh this is the guy this is like this is the faust this is the guy that made or, or rather prescott bush's dad is the one who made the deal with the devil but prescott bush is the first one to be like i kind of dig reaping all the sowing we did before i'm kind of digging all this reaping why don't we all mm-hmm. jerk off inside geronimo's skull and then i'll kill all the brown people yep smadley butler knew what he needed to do at this point he went to j edgar kill hoover prescott bush it's like Punisher, and he's like running around with like cattleman revolvers, going like, "Gotta kill all the guys in the business plot." It's that would be badass. We should, it, we know, gotta do that. Just getting all of his guns from. John let's Moses let's make Browning it. Let's himself. make an alternate history eight. movie gonna, about if that happens. We're gonna write an eight part, uh, eight part, eight part episodic series where uh, if they're an hour, they're hour and a half long episodes. Okay, so shut the fuck up. We get Paul Giamatti to narrate all of it, and there's just just brutality just blood gore smedley butler uh halloween three style we'll pull a guy's skull apart uh it'll be great we'll fucking do it uh and we're using squibs we're using practical effects on this thing oh yeah practical effects only tony shaw's gonna do the we're gonna gonna and and somehow there's somehow there's gonna be with a gun Somehow there's going to be NFT involved. We haven't figured that one out yet. We're going to figure out how we're going to launder money with the NFTs afterwards. Exactly. So. (laughs) It's a gif of Smedley Butler's ball sack just rocking back and forth. (laughs) So Smedley Butler went to J. Edgar Hoover, but J. Edgar Hoover's panties were way too tight that day. And he didn't know what to do with his balls. Uh, and he was like, just kind of forgot about it, you know. Oh, oh I forgot oh, about this tr- attempt of a fascist uprising. Well, he, he was sympathetic. The guy was a fucking nutcase. Oh yeah, and exactly. Hated brown people. Like he's the guy, you know. He he's the one who like really pushed, uh, and obviously because he became the director of it, for the FBI to be formed as a specific unique entity during the Osage murders, not because natives were being killed, but because so much money was getting thrown around and because these people were direct wards of the state. It looked really bad for the federal government to just be letting them get fucking murdered. But yeah, he, I'm sure he loved Nazis. He hated fucking communists. He hated leftists and he hated black people. Yep. So <sighs> just like white gays today, they're not your friend. Okay. They are enemies in the class war. <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover <laughs> Just didn't face. do sh- didn't do anything, and uh, he ridiculed Smedley Butler publicly for this hoax. Busy and the, a flat out of his asshole. And the investigation <laughs> preceding this fell into darkness with zero subpoenas, zero testimonies, and zero punishments. Yeah, and Congress refused. Congress had a whole list of, of all known members of the business plot, like over two dozen people. Uh, they, they did not release any names. They kept them all confidential. The, uh, most of the names are still unknown to this day. They're classified. You can't, we don't have access to them. Uh, and it's because there are people that are still around, whose families are still around, whose businesses are still around. Just like um, all the companies that helped the Nazis kill yeah. Jews and perpetrate the Holocaust got to exi- exist after the fact. All the people who yeah, did the two, same shit in America, same thing. Two of those family members became presidents. Fucking Christ. It's like... And that's the guy that we know about. This is, mm-hmm. like... And the du- fucking DuPont family that basically 
has their own personal senators anytime there's a new senator from fucking Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, why do you think why do you think dupont took their name off of all of the dupont gas stations that we used to have because now it's like sunoco and bullshits is because they're like uh people probably don't want to know that like we're we run these yeah Yeah. but they run like too much so that's the that's the depressing and uh and very 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 unsettling end of the business plot because as we all know it continues to this day and the people that set this up are still in the positions where they are even though the gold standard got repealed surprise surprise they're still rich now it like it should it should say something that like the most unhinged people in this fucking country the most completely alienated from reality and themselves and their families uh who are so blinded by the shit that they absorbed through their TV sets and the internet, um, that even they are acknowledging that there is a cabal of wealthy people that run the world and run the country, but instead of, you know, going like, maybe it's the people that have always had money, they go, oh, actually, JFK, the 104-year-old guy who's still alive and has been living in Florida is still president, and also it's the Jews. Yep. Like, so close. You were so close. Yep. And you got yet, there. So very far. Just immediately, 104-year-old press. Uh, so I watched this video. This lady literally said that the their explanation. So, you know, it was the anniversary of JFK's assassination the other day, right? Yeah. Uh, in Dallas. And uh, it wasn't. The, no, it wasn't the anniversary. What? What was it? That's uh, oh, the, yeah, the anniversary is eleven twenty-two. Oh, you're right. It's coming up. I'm sorry. I'm no. Sorry. The that that was that was a QAnon thing, um, and they thought that JFK Jr. was going to come back to Dealey Plaza in a big "I'm alive" thing he was gonna and reveal himself. say, and he was going to he was going to reveal himself and reveal himself as the vice president to Trump, who Trump is still the rightful leader of the United States. Do you want me to, I, but now but now they're actually moving from Dealey Plaza where they sang uh Take Me Home Country Roads West Virginia, but they replaced West Virginia with Dealey Plaza. Um they they're going from Dealey Plaza and they're saying that JFK Jr. is going to reveal himself in the place that Robert F. Kennedy was shot. Uh, oh, in the pantry? They're gonna go into yeah, the pantry. Yeah, yeah, they're they're trying desperately to get into the pantry of replaced... there because that's where that's where JFK Jr. is going to reveal himself as the vice president of Trump and Trump is still the rightful leader of the United States and Biden is not the expert. So the president. explanation they had for that is they're like on there was like a day in January where Trump signed some like executive order to transfer yep. the presidency temporarily to a third part it can only be done with the former president that's why it was jf it's these fucking staten island pillheads just fucking mumbling about nothing because they're still obsessed with the kennedys as you should be you know but only I'm, to I'm make so track glad. them and hunt them uh but I'm so glad that i haven't paid attention to any of this shit no but just just the way that you guys are fucking so talking trump, about Donald i trump haven't turned my brain into mush this way i have done it the old-fashioned way with alcohol and weed uh, i'm doing i'll that send too. you that numerology video Do- video later no i don't want to see it i don't want to see it i don't want to experience it i hate numerology as a concept in general and QAnon numerology <laughs> will just make me go fucking postal um there's a really interesting you mentioned rfk there's a really interesting true episode 
Uh, big fans of Trudon. Big fan. Me personally, oh, yeah. big fan of Trudon. Big ups uh, to Trudon. Great podcast. They do an episode uh, about Sirhan Sirhan and the RFK assassination uh, with the author of a book about it, uh, or a few books about it, I believe. And she has a very interesting theory um, about why she believes that Sirhan Sirhan may not have been the one to actually pull the trigger on RFK uh, and provide some very interesting details that do lead you to think more that it was very similar to JFK, a conspiracy uh, to get back at them for what they did to the intelligence community uh, and, and for how they, 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 you know, they, they fucked up the, the CIA's operations, which the CIA was already fucking up on their own because they're a bunch of incompetent ghouls. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, all right. Well, we're probably uh, going to cut a lot of that out. Yeah, yeah that's Brad's Brad problem. Oh, you guys don't. You guys don't want to talk about numerology and why why a hundred and four year old JFK has been leave, living in Sarasota, Florida, for the past sixty years. You don't want to talk about that. It's, you know, episodes getting a little long. Got to make time. A little somewhere. long. In Anyways, the yep. Uh, thank anyway. you for listening once again to Worst in the Industry. Tyler, do we have a do we have a call to action this week? Uh, fuck fascism. Oppose it at all costs, as we all know. Yeah, uh, there, absolutely. There is actually uh, there is a, a leftist uh, like group of veterans. They're called Left Flank Vets. They uh, do some really fun, interesting stuff on Twitch. They also, I believe, have a podcast. Uh, they're cool. Check them out. Uh, a lot of the people there are people who have been like on the ground in protests. Uh, one specifically was there uh, in Kenosha when that fucking worm murdered those people. Uh, and she was yeah. a medic helping out, making sure that people stayed safe, making sure that people uh, you know, who couldn't get to a hospital were at least treated to an extent. So, yeah, check mm. them out. Give them a like. Give them a subscribe. All right. All Thanks right. again. We'll see you next week. And by next week, I mean later this week. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.